This episode of A Pair of Bookends is sponsored by Stained Paper Creations. They create bespoke vintage style bookmarks and prints. One of our lucky listeners will have the chance to win a selection of bookmarks. All you need to do is leave us a screenshot of your review of the podcast with your Insta handle and DM us at A Pair of Bookends Pod. Welcome to A Pair of Bookends, the book club you can carry anywhere. We are your hosts and hopefully your new bookish pals. I'm Hannah MacDonald. And I'm Lydia Clare. Each month we'll feature a book of our choice. We'll chat about our opinion of the books and the themes surrounding it. We'll also be discussing other bookish things such as events, prizes, upcoming releases and other exciting news. We hope you enjoy. On today's episode of A Pair of Bookends, we will be talking about the new novel from Hanya Yanagihara, To Paradise. For those of you who aren't familiar with Hanya's work, Hanya is the author of three novels, including hugely acclaimed and cult classic A Little Life. She is the editor-in-chief of the New York Times Style magazine and basically an all-round icon. But first, should we catch up? Oh, yes. <laughs> so, Hannah, what are you currently reading? I am currently reading um, The People in the Trees by Hanya Yanagihara um, because we were attempting to finish reading her back catalogue before doing today's episode. However... Uh, did we manage? No. No, no we did not. No. Our expectations of ourselves was too high. Something you will come to learn from us is we don't always deliver on our promises. <laughs> so... <laughs> God, you can turn everyone away, Lydia. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm only about 140 pages into that. It's quite dense, not gonna lie. I'm just saying, when the, f- I mean, I'm reading it also, um, when the footnotes of a novel can t- <laughs> <laughs> actually make up more of the page than the text itself, that's when we're going to have problems. Yeah, we're going to have lots of problems. Yeah. yeah. I hate the footnotes. I hate them. Why? No. Just why? Not Hanya? for me. Not for me. Hanya Horn, come on. I mean, the Let concept me talk to you real quick. of the book itself <laughs> is so fascinating. If you haven't heard of The People in the Trees, which even Hanya herself has said, no one's, <laughs> no one's read it. it. <laughs> but um, if you've not heard of, of the book, it's basically, it's about a scientist who uh, discovers a tribe that don't age in the same way that we do. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like, talking about like, fountain of youthy sort of yeah, things. Yeah. And um, I think that, that concept in itself is very interesting, but then we learn about his yeah he's dealings. yeah he has been accused of um, sexually assaulting um, one of his adopted children, mm. and um, the book is kind of narrated by a friend and a person that works in the lab with him, um, who kind of disregards the awful thing that he's been accused of doing because he's so prolific in the medical industries and that's the thing that kind of drew us into wanting to read the book however the footnotes and there's a lot of talk about pubic hair yeah too much too much i mean i don't mind a little bit yeah but but they've just met this woman from this tribe and they're describing her pubic hair in 
in detail. Such, such detail. As <laughs> Uh, Lydia, what's at the top of your TBR? Oh, what is at the top of my TBR? Well, I've got, you know me, I've got a few. Um, but I am hopefully going to get to all the light we cannot see. Yes. Yes, uh, we're hoping to buddy read that, actually. Hoping to buddy read that. Hoping to. And I've heard the chapters are short, so a lot, although it's a long book, I've heard the chapters are short. So. One question I need to ask you, Hannah. Yeah. Are the footnotes in it? I mean, if there are, then that's that's me. Get me out. That's me. Out. I'm sorry. But yeah, I've heard so much buzz around it, so yeah. I was like, I need to, I need to read it. And you, I, do you ever have one of those books that sat on your TBR, and every time you look at it, you're like, I need to read that. Yeah. But you never do. Um, but has there been any bookish news in your life, Hannah, that's making you excited? Uh, bookish news. Now I am your gal for adaptations. I love. An adaptation um and the very exciting uh upcoming adaptation is uh conversations with friends uh one of sally rooney's novels and if you don't know me i adore sally rooney um can i just explain now you can't see her but she's currently in a jumper with a quote from normal people on it so <laughs> the normal people adaptation is honestly one of the most visually stunning things I have ever watched. Mm -hmm. um, Paul Mascal's performance was just incredible. Their whole relationship, um, kind of the frustration of being a young person and the expectations that are placed on you. Oh, it was just such a gorgeous adaptation um, and I was completely obsessed. So mm -hmm. I'm really excited for the Conversations with Friends adaptation, which I think is coming out in May. Um, also, our gal Dolly, her adaptation of everything I know about love is coming out this year, but I've I'm not certain on dates yet. So maybe I'll be raving about that in an upcoming episode. <laughs> Who knows? Um also we've got the women's prize long list, which has been announced in four days. So uh maybe by the time this episode goes out, mm -hmm. it'll have been announced. Oh which is exciting. Lydia, do you have any predictions for the long list? I've got a few. Okay. I mean Anyone that knows me knows that I'm pretty much obsessed with the Women's Prize. Last year, I bought all 16 books on the long list. Love the dedication. I did not read them all. <laughs> 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 but um, I, yeah, I really, really loved Piranesi that won by Susanna Clark. Still not read I, it. Oh, it's stunning, guys. <laughs> Absolutely stunning. Um, and totally not what I would have, have predicted would have won. But um, very, very brilliant book. Um, so this year, my predictions, I've got, I've got three. Um, right. So I've got Great Circle by Maggie Shipstead. Mm -hmm. For anyone that knows me, if there's a plane on the cover of a book, I'm buying it. <laughs> um, I've not read it yet, but I've heard so much buzz around it. Um, I also think The Island of Missing Trees by Alicia Fack is going to feature. Yeah. If it doesn't, I'm going to eat my copy of it. Because I actually think Can that... Can you not? <laughs> well, I've got to read it first. But, um, but I've heard so much about it. And we read uh, oh, 10 minutes, 38 seconds yeah. last year. And it was astounding. She's an astounding author. Yeah. And Still Life by Sarah Winman. Yeah, I think he's going to definitely make the list. Um, I just read Tin Man. And oh my goodness me. If you're looking for something to devastate you... And make you miserable. You're in for a treat. Go for Tim Man. <laughs> um, so yeah, definitely my 
uh, favourite to be on the list. But can I just say, if Sorrow and Bliss by Meg Mason <laughs> doesn't make the list, heads are going to roll. Yeah. I'm going to be coming for people. <laughs> I know. We're going to have to like tie you down or something, aren't we? Yeah. I am so obsessed with that book and I'll be so upset if it doesn't get the recognition it deserves. I mean, I've raved enough about it. What about Paper Palace? Um, I'm not sure. It's had mixed reviews. I adored it. Mm-hmm. Thought it was incredible. Cannot Also, in bookish news, cannot wait for the HBO adaptation of that. Um, but, yeah, I'm not sure. Mm. Gotta make it on It'll there. be interesting. I don't feel like it's been raved about enough. No. I am most excited for the uh, upcoming, well, third book in the series of the Thursday Murder Club series. I've not read the second one, which is The Man Who Died Twice, but it is on my TBR. So, you know, as we all say, I'll get to it at some point. Um, But I loved that book. And so the new one is called The Bullet That Missed, which is just the coolest title ever. That sounds... (laughs) I'm intrigued, you know. I'm just saying, for elderly fantastic characters love um, that solving mysteries and it's not in the least bit miss marpley nice yeah nice don't worry you've intrigued me now good i'm glad (laughs) job's done now should we take them to paradise oh why not (laughs) Uh, so lydia yes would you like to give us a summary of paradise well i can try it's hard to summarize (laughs) yeah but I'd say to Paradise, is, it's an epic novel. I mean, it's set over th- three centuries. So it's 1893, 1993, and 2093. Mm-hmm. We follow a, a vast number of characters tackling themes of love, heritage, generational trauma um, over three sections of the book. Um, so, Hannah, what did you think of the structure being that it's in three parts? You know what? I wasn't sure if I was going to enjoy it and I was actually really pleasantly surprised. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I loved the structure. I'm not one for historical fiction. It's really not my favourite genre at all. Mm-hmm. So if you've got any recommendations of must-read historical fiction, please fire them my way because... You're going to have like four million I'm, DMs now. <laughs> no, yeah, because I'm not going to pick them up otherwise. Like I'm just not drawn to them as much as I am to mm-hmm. contemporary fiction. Um, but... I really, really loved um, the 1893 section mm. um, and I also adored, I, I'm really into like dystopian stuff, so loved the 2093 section at the end. Um, I I think it's one of those books where you have to kind of study it. You need to make notes of names and um, places and you need to kind of know the who's who. Yeah. Um, so I know our friend Gabby, um, at Humphreys, um, did draw out a family tree <laughs> because she needed to know. She's a very organised kind of gal. I mean, if you saw the tabbing on her book of Paradise, you'd be impressed. Yeah. Hanya, when we met Hanya, um, we went to Hanya's recent event in Manchester and um, we went and had our book signed and uh, she was very impressed with Gabby's book. I'm very impressed. Very impressed. So. Made it the feature of the photo. <laughs> The same names I think you struggle with. Oh, right. Can we just talk about that for a second? Everyone being called David, <clears throat> Edward or Charles. Everyone. Even the women. The women yeah. are called Charles. Charlie. So <laughs> that, 
is quite a struggle. You do have to kind of get past it, don't you? It's hard because yeah. when you're reading it all in one chunk, you get you you finish say first David's story, yeah, and then you pick up the next book and there's David again, but it's not the same David; it's a completely different David. Mm-hmm. Um, it can be quite hard to manage. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I really liked that she played with um, how different things could be. Yeah. Um, you know, like in the 1893 section, um, it being New York being this free state mm-hmm. where same-sex marriage is the norm and um, women working in positions of power is the norm. Mm-hmm. And um, I just found that really interesting that she played with that. Yeah. And... Um, I'm always kind of considering how different things would be if one decision was made yeah, differently. Yeah, and like I, the butterfly effect. Yeah, it? yeah. And, and so I really liked how she played with that in the first section. Yeah. Um, I found interesting that the AIDS crisis was so kind of largely hinted at in the yeah. second section, but it was never explicitly said no. that it was the AIDS crisis. It was just called it was the disease. The disease it? or the illness or the something illness. like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, I know some people really struggled with it, but I I did like it. What about you? I did. I really. I mean, I am beloved to the first section, mm. um, and I think that yeah, I I've always sort of um, resisted books with lots of different sections or that are split into certain yeah. sections because I love a straightforward like. A to B narrative, something that's you know going to take you on that journey, and you're not going to have to be taken out of it. There are no footnotes, that kind of thing. <laughs> you know where you just you're immersed in one person's story in a central protagonist. I mean, that's my favorite type of reading. Yeah. So for me to like turn onto this, it was it was a big difference, um, especially when you compare it to like a little life where we follow Jude. Mm-hmm. And we just follow Jude, you know, yeah. in the initial parts of the book. Yes, you do meet his friends, but ultimately it becomes Jude's story. And that's what I love so much about that book. And so yeah. it was hard to kind of go from that to here's, here's a vast number of characters all with the same name, See, all in different places. I do love books with multiple perspectives. Mm-hmm. And an author that does it really well, who I was obsessed with in my late teens, is Jodie Pickle. Oh, yes. Um, I think one of my favourites by her is Small Great Things. Mm-hmm. Um, but she does multiple perspectives really, really well. And mm-hmm. I think, you know, like with this book, if it's done well, it can be an incredible book. Oh, massively. And, you know, getting inside all these kind of different people's minds within the same scenario yes. is so fascinating because you might look at that person through one character's eyes mm-hmm. and hate them. And then when you're inside their mind, you see them in a totally different light. Yes. yeah. I think a great book that does that as well is Girl, Woman, Other by Bernadine yes. Evaristo. Yes. You, you're looking at all these different perspectives on, on girlhood, womanhood, yeah. otherhood, you know, and, and what that means to people. Mm-hmm. And that's that's a great narrative structure where literally every chapter is a different person yeah but such a good book it's so good (laughs) so so good and which was your favorite section well it has to be the first section i i fell in love with david and his just his his capacity to love and yeah and his 
his whole sort of being, he was this wonderful man mm-hmm. who wasn't nice all of the time. He was completely yeah. flawed. And yeah. and he had these dark days and this this difficulties in his past. Mm-hmm. Um and his relationship with his grandfather oh, was his grandfather was Stop. the greatest. It really was. It really um, was relationship. It's it's been it's very hard to write a, a relationship between a grandfather and a grandson in yeah. such in such an intelligent and empathetic way. Yeah. She she just made you love them both so much and you could see his grandfather rooting for him yeah. every step of the way. Yeah. Every step of the way. He was rooting for him and there was a moment where he shouts his name oh. that will crush your soul. Yeah. And it's it's what Hanya Yanagihara writes best. Yeah. She writes sorrow oh. and trauma and yeah. realism yeah. when it comes to emotion yeah. better than half of the writers out there I'm telling you yeah yeah um may I just add in although you probably already realized that this episode may contain spoilers <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> and yeah. I'm sorry yeah. I'm sorry for that sorry but um but <laughs> we've dedicated the episode to the book so <laughs> therefore we must speak about the book <laughs> we will try and be vague we, we will mm maybe probably not (laughs) um i did think that part of the way through the book obviously hanya yanagahara is is known for writing traumatic content if you've read a little life you'll know what we mean yeah um and i thought so naive of me that you know i got halfway through the book and thought oh we've escaped it i was wrong (laughs) Um, I was really wrong. Um, as Lydia said, she writes sorrow so beautifully, and the endings of each section. I think if we're going to talk about the structure and the sections, we need to talk about the way that they they all three of them end, because it's so painful. And if you don't like a cliffhanger. Honestly, yeah, yeah. Um, hanging on this one ain't for you. Your fingers, <laughs> tips your fingers, dragging off those cliffs. There is, there is no hope, no hope of a neat and tidy ending with this woman. No, she stresses me out. Honestly, yeah. though, we did get a little sneaky, um, uh, inside sneaky scoop. by by sneaky insight. I basically begged, begged Tanya begged her. at the signing event in manchester i begged her and said listen <laughs> listen <What>? hanya hon <laughs> i've had two sleepless nights since finishing to paradise <laughs> i need to know how this book ends um and if you've not read read the whole book then i'm giving you five seconds now to skip um but the ending of the final section i needed to know if charlie escaped or not and she told us she told us. She told us. I mean, we removed the knife from her throat. We did. But <laughs> and she then told, she us. told us. However, oh, yeah. <laughs> however, we promised Tanya that we wouldn't reveal. So I'm sorry, guys. Sorry, guys. <laughs> we, will, we will tell you if you come and speak to us in person. We will tell you. Maybe. But maybe. But our Hanya told us not to. And we're friends now, so. Yeah, yeah. We can't, you know, you can't betray the trust of your busy mate. You can't. Um, so, Hannah, what didn't work for you? I wasn't as big of a fan of the second section as I was of the other two sections. Mm-hmm. 
I don't know if I just wasn't as invested. Um, I felt really hooked in to the narrative of the first section and the yeah. third section. Um, and I mean, she does this really, really well though. So whilst it's not my favourite section, I have to say how well she does this in writing yeah. really frustrating characters. Mm-hmm. Because there's so many decisions that were made in a little life that I could have screamed. Yes. Um, and I got so frustrated with Jude on so many occasions <laughs> in a little life. And I was like, please just tell somebody how you're feeling or please just do this. And... <laughs> And of course, Hanya likes to disappoint. So <laughs> she likes to be like, I know that's what you want, audience, but I'm not going to give not you that. Having it, no. <laughs> so um, I think in the second section, I was most frustrated with the character in that. Mm-hmm. Um, he was obviously really struggling mentally. So you can't deny that. And mm-hmm. that's the reasoning for the choices that he made. But the way his own son had to take care of him and he was just kind of, I mean, he was entangled in this really toxic, abusive relationship and yeah. um, he completely lost all control of himself. And, you know, that kind of thing happens. Mm. Um, but I just felt really frustrated about the kind of loss of his relationship with his son and how that kind yeah. of came back to bite him. I think that's the only thing that I would say didn't work for me. I think it's hard when it is the second, and the middle section, should I yeah. say, of the novel because your first section yes it was so moving it was so beautiful it was it for me it was the the best bit of the book to then go from that into another story completely and to have to get to grips with everything all over again Mm it's hard enough in itself i found that quite difficult and then the fact that book three is the longest book yeah i actually got to be immersed in it yeah I, i it took me a good few chapters to get into it but as soon as i was i was like this is brilliant, the world yeah. building and things like that. Um, that's, you know, that's what it did for me because it was longer, because I had more time with the characters. Whereas I do think the middle, it didn't feel rushed, but I yeah. felt like I could have, I needed to spend a bit more time with them. Lydia, <laughs> who yes, was Anna. your favourite character and why? Oh, it's a tricky one. Um, I would have to say... Uh, my favorite character was David's grandfather in yeah. the first book. Um, he is not particularly the, the main focus of of the first book, but he is such a fantastic um, subsidiary character. Mm. People forget a lot of the time when they write novels, like I write novels all the time, but um, <laughs> they forget that your your subsidiary characters are the making of the main character they are what create the main character's motives and emotions and reactions and actions and i think that his grandfather was a perfect example of how to write a great subsidiary character yeah and yeah just he all he wanted was to create a safe environment for this child yeah who then becomes this man and i think that it's such a, a hard situation for him to be in mm-hmm. he watches david ultimately yeah kind of make his own bed and have to lie in it yeah and that is so hard as as a parent or a grandparent to, yeah. to not be able to physically step in 
mm-hmm. and say you cannot do that yeah i can take away your privileges i can take away all of this but ultimately you still have your own mind and you can still walk out that door yeah and just yeah i just absolutely loved him who is your favorite character um i i probably would agree that it's the grandfather for every reason you've just stated <laughs> lydia is the most eloquent person you will ever meet so thank god she's my co-host <laughs> unless i'm putting a spot and then get all the words <laughs> um so i would probably say a cross between the grandfather and you know i really loved in the final section the mm. and i'm gonna forget all the names even though they're all the same awesome. was it edward charlie's husband's boyfriend but i adored the relationship between his boyfriend and him and just that whole beautiful beautiful scene between the three of them oh my gosh like it it will move you to tears like yeah it was so beautifully done um yeah just them not allowed to be with who they want to be with and having Mm -hmm. to navigate that and kind of the love and the respect and the care that they all had for each other in the situation that they were in and it was just so like wholesome and painful and oh I I don't know it was just one of them moments and I was like oh like that is just such a well-written character because he he was only in it for a really short section he actually is I'm looking at the book now because obviously it's to hand and um (laughs) and literally like what page is it? 690 i'm on um bearing in mind this is only like 700 pages long and he's only just coming in yeah I'm so a really short thing. segment that he's in and i just think his character is so beautiful fritz is that his name that's his name oh i mean everyone's called edward j edward j- james <laughs> edward david and charlie <laughs> so i assumed that his name was edward I'm wrong. the I am only wrong. person not called david edward or charlie is fritz, is fritz. Would you believe it? Um, to go for a name like But Fritz. we love Fritz. I might get him on a t-shirt. I would. Uh, yeah. I would. <laughs> Lydia. Oh, yes. As a Little Life is one of your favourites. Oh, it is. Um, would you like to talk about Hanya's previous work in mm-hmm. comparison to, to Paradise? Absolutely. So, yeah, A Little Life, I can't deny it. It moved me. It broke me. <laughs> um, is there anyone that didn't break? <sighs> Probably not. Um, I was not one of the people that gave up. <laughs> Although I do not, um, I do not blame people for giving up because it is a tough read. Yeah. Um, if you don't know about it, it's basically about a uh, a young boy called Jude who goes through very traumatic experiences yeah. again and again and again, and it never seems to let up. He gets older, he meets friends, and still his life is just a sequence of traumatic events um which to me is quite realistic people do do go through these things in their lives there are not people that get perfect endings with tied up little bows and and no trauma at all in their lives um i mean if they do exist please let me know because (laughs) i'd like to marry one but um yeah so it's it's a hard read there are lots of trigger warnings um make sure to check them out if you're going to pick up that book because my goodness i picked it up completely unknowing of what was even it, it was even about yeah i had it bought for me and then i was i was told i had to read it and so i read it and honestly it was 
the hardest book I've ever read and the greatest book I I think I've ever read absolutely fantastic and whenever someone says to me what book would you recommend I always recommend a little life with a massive caveat of yeah you have to be in the right headspace to read it oh 100 um so yeah one of my one of my favorite books of all time now in comparison with to, pa- to paradise again i think i prefer a little life because of that first person narrative that one person narrative um and again it's very epic in its scale but epic in just the fact that it's jude's story the whole way through mm-hmm. um the writing is just so beautiful in both yeah um in in both of the novels it's really visceral yeah you can feel it when she talks about about something particularly when it's something traumatic Mm -hmm. you feel it yeah and this is why it's so full of trigger warnings because it it can bring up a lot of your own emotions Mm -hmm. your own feelings i mean i i remember reading little life and walking around and sort of feeling like a bit glum and a bit down and sort of going I don't know why I feel like this and then my other half was like what what book are you reading (laughs) oh yeah that'll be it then um so yeah um I think that yeah if you are a particularly sensitive soul just be careful yeah with it um I don't think you need to be as careful with to paradise no no although it has difficult themes I don't think it's in any way as traumatic as a little life was no um, no i think obviously with any novel there has to be conflict there has to be drama yeah there has to be something that is going to be difficult to read i think otherwise it's just going to be a bit bland and a bit boring <laughs> um so i think yeah it's important to remember that um but with with to paradise it definitely feels more of a restrained hanye anagahara yeah. Rather than her full, you know, I'm going to ruin your life vibe. Mm. Yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> that she tends to go for. Yeah. And the people in the trees of what I've read of it so far um, feels very much like the scientific side of To Paradise. Yeah, I agree. It feels like that's where her roots, her roots lie. She does love a bit of science and medicine and... yeah in her writing and i think that it's definitely more prevalent in the people in the trees yeah if you're not into that you're gonna struggle with the book i think 100 percent. like we are yeah (laughs) (laughs) also if you hate footnotes don't do it don't do it (laughs) i think she did say at the event that her father was Mm -hmm. an oncologist i think and you can definitely sense in the people in the trees and into paradise that she kind of grew up um kind of in that environment and she yeah. kind of grew up around these types of people and interesting that the doctor in a little life was sort of like a hero yeah i did love that character he was beautiful mm. but yeah i think i think in comparison to her other no- novels to paradise is definitely you can see the way she's improved Mm-hmm. in the way that she in her boldness as well yeah. yeah she's always been a bold writer yeah but i think to paradise you know people would never have expected yeah i mean i'm gonna i'm gonna call it now i think to paradise is a masterpiece and i honestly if that doesn't make the women's prize 
list as well i'll be shocked if you don't get a quote on the next release of a cover <laughs> on the paperback <laughs> hannah mcdonald this is a masterpiece i'll be very shocked and she cares who <laughs> hannah from manchester is <laughs> um but no I, I honestly think paradise is my favorite yeah um i know a little life is your favorite lydia it but is paradise is my favorite i can't deny it although jude and willem forever we'll get that on a t-shirt also you can actually get t-shirts you know that's got their names with on the it. jb willem yes. it's so cute i want to get one. but i just want jude and willem on mine i mm. mean no, i like i like the other characters but willem is in fact you know what just willem <laughs> I, I just I love willem just i love willem. him so much tattoo on the forehead willem oh. i just want to talk to you please oh, willem. <laughs> <laughs> so what theme lydia mm-hmm. most interested you into paradise oh i can tell you that right now <laughs> generational trauma love a bit of that i love it <laughs> so I, I am a bit obsessed with it i think and i just i love how you can see the formation of a person mm-hmm. um from their parents their grandparents and ultimately in some ways their ancestors yeah you know in terms of cultural heritage um and you know race identity and things mm-hmm. like that um I think it's so, such an interesting subject and I think it's something that Hanya does very well in this novel. Yeah. Um, you know, although the characters in themselves are not interrelated throughout the whole novel, um, you can see these kind of themes coming out all of the time, you know, particularly between a grandparent and their uh, grandson, granddaughter. Yeah. Um, how they have how the way that they act have shaped the world of their mm-hmm. future generations and yeah. it's just so fascinating yeah really fascinating how about you i i probably would agree mm-hmm. um but i just loved how how the book kind of like at the center of it, it is just about being human and how how much we're shaped by the world around us and trying to navigate the world as it changes mm-hmm. and you know how the smallest kind of change in history can kind of impact you as an individual yeah but yeah I think one question I am anxious to ask you is how did you feel reading a book about the pandemic when in a pandemic <laughs> or as some would hope to believe coming out of the pandemic yeah I mean, I'm not going to lie, um, at her event, <laughs> <laughs> she was talking about a discussion that she'd had with um, scientists that were working on pandemics. Is that the right terminology? Yeah, Who knows? So. Who knows? I know nothing about science, so let's roll with that. She was talking about this, and she said, um, because obviously the third section of the book explores kind of rolling pandemics, and <laughs> this scientist in particular that she was having a conversation with whilst researching for the paradise said um, that there was a big pandemic coming. Now, obviously, Hanya wrote this book. Look at me saying Hanya like she's my best mate. She is. Um, <laughs> um, Hanya wrote this book prior to COVID. So this scientist has said, you know, there's a pandemic that's coming and it's going to be big, but it's not going to be kind of... Mm-hmm. catastrophic i mean it was in a sense but at the same time it didn't wipe out the world did it yeah um, but they did say to her that they think we're gonna we're kind of approaching <laughs> what they called 
the big one the big one and rolling pandemics and that just terrified me Mm. and I think you know I'm not kind of (laughs) emotionally (laughs) stable enough to kind of think of another pandemic happening when we've just been through one like we're only just kind of coming out of it yeah I did kind of find it difficult but then I also thought that it helped me to empathize with the characters more knowing that experience and what that's like and how kind of surreal it feels Mm. um and it was very strange to me to feel so immersed in a dystopian novel. <laughs> <laughs> because, you know, when you read dystopian novels, usually you can be like, like when I read Vox, I, I was kind of thinking, um, you know, with the wrong person in power. I think we read Vox when Donald Trump was in power, didn't we? <sighs> yeah, well. Um, and, we were, <laughs> and I was kind of thinking, you know, if the wrong person's in power like him, then anything is kind of possible. You know, they can kind of make things up as they go along and, mm-hmm. you know, it doesn't matter who they destroy, they'll do it. Um, as we're seeing it play out I now. I literally just yeah, about to say, as Putin. we're now seeing it play out with Hello. Putin. And, um, but I felt so kind of immersed and I don't think I would have had as much as a kind of visceral experience of reading to paradise mm-hmm. had it not have been for us just going through COVID. Yeah, yeah. And interesting, <laughs> very interesting yeah. how she wrote it pre-pandemic. And, I she mean, did say she's a witch. She is like. a witch. She's got to be. She's got to she have something. It. Tea leaves or talons or something. Something, <laughs> something went on. Um, but yeah, I thought that was really interesting how she was kind of already thinking about it. Mm. I mean, it's really unnerving, isn't it? It's scary, isn't it? <laughs> the thought of another one, like, can we not? Can we not? <laughs> can we not? You know. Unless it's just at the Kremlin. Yeah. <laughs> now, Lydia, similar to Gabby, I know you have tabbed certain parts of the book. <laughs> I but am. I believe you've got a favourite quote for oh, us. Oh, I do. Which we love. It's a bit long, but... We love a long quote. I mean, imagine it. I'd we just wouldn't read the old book. We wouldn't have picked a book this big if we didn't like long. <laughs> <laughs> As I talked about before, my love of David and uh, in the first book, and the the way that he loves people um so this is a this is him talking about um sort of falling in love with uh, a man named edward but in the absence of that he would have to be satisfied with the secret of edward which he carried inside him like a lick of bright white flame something that burned high and pure and which warmed only him and which he feared would vanish if he examined it too closely. By thinking of him, he felt almost as if he'd conjured him, a phantom only he could see, leaning against the secretary at the back of the room, behind Charles, smiling at David, and David alone. Hello, beautiful. Don't tear my eyes. <laughs> and it's just, it. the first book is so full of that. It's so mm. full of this. You know, the way she talks about that that bright white burning lick of flame of, of love and it's just in anyone else's hands that would be cheesy. That would make me feel like Ugh. Yeah. And for some reason it feels so authentic. Yeah. When it's written by her Agreed. and with these characters. Um and yeah, I just love it. I loved it. Now we do invite um questions from our listeners. And I believe we, before anybody's even listened, we've got a question <laughs> on the book. 
Yeah, so uh, Stephen has asked us uh, if you'd read The People in the Trees before any other Hanya Yanagihara book, would you have continued on and read her subsequent novels? Now, I don't want to offend our gal Hanya, but you know what? I think... Bearing in mind you haven't actually read all of it yet. That's this is true. This is true. Um, I think potentially, if we were in an age without social media, mm-hmm. maybe not. Yeah. Unless I read the blurb and was drew in by, I do like you know if if a blurb sounds amazing, then I've obviously got to read it. Yeah. Um, but I think it'd be really difficult living with social media and seeing the hype. Mm-hmm. around mm-hmm. her books to not want to read yeah the subsequent books especially um, with the little life and how it kind of blew up yeah the people in the trees it's is. the footnotes it's the footnotes it's the footnotes slid. seriously the like we can't no nope <laughs> <laughs> but we will finish it we, we will we're dedicated we will. No, to we finish will. it we're not dnfers no we're not um, not so in this joint. We shall we shall read it and we'll, we will update we'll you. We'll report back. We'll report back. And let you know <laughs> whether or not we got over the footnotes. Now, each and episode. pubic hair. Oh, no. I know. Lydia, I'm sorry. Not the pubic it's hair just, again. I know, but it's so prevalent. <laughs> God's sake. Okay, move on, move on. Moving on. Uh, each episode, um, when we are talking about a book, we are also going to give you, if you like this, then read this. I feel like that should require a theme tune. <laughs> if you like this, then read this. <laughs> um, so Lydia, do you want to start with the recommendations you have? Oh, of course. So yeah, I mean, going back to my favourite theme of generational trauma. Um, <laughs> um, are you okay? I'm not, no. <laughs> I'm not. I would definitely say the book was reminiscent in that theme of Homegoing by Yagyazi. Oh my goodness. I've only just recently read it and it is fantastic. It is again, it's it's one of those epic novels. It spans generation upon generation upon generation. And yet you can still see the the kind of ramifications of the first person's actions yeah. on the last person person's life. And it's so well done. Yeah. Um and if and I also read Transcendent Kingdom last year and that is another fantastic novel. Yeah, if you're looking for a really good gritty um generational trauma centered book, that is a fantastic place to start. Yeah. Um also a little bit more manageable than to paradise. <laughs> <laughs> um, smaller. Yeah, and again in the same vein, Pachinko was another um fantastic generational book where you span these lives of this family um and it was just it was exceptional again and they're bringing out the adaptation of that soon honestly here she is with her adaptation loving um (laughs) and also have you seen the cover of the paperback of pachinko stunning oh my gosh if i could get that blown up and put on my wall (laughs) <laughs> I would. Um but yeah, so definitely for me those two are my top yeah 
recs for like if you love this you are going to really want to get your hands on these yeah definitely how about you um well as i said before i'm into my dystopians um one of my favorite books of all time is the handmaid's tale uh by margaret atwood our queen um Mm. i the the book and the series are both incredible here i am again with my adaptations (laughs) um (laughs) but i think that adaptation is so perfectly done. Elizabeth mm. Moth, Moth, Moth. Imagine Elizabeth, <laughs> Elizabeth Moth. Imagine Elizabeth what? Moss. It's so incredible in this series. I mean, there's performances, the performances from all the cast mm. in mm. The Hammer's Tale are just insane. Like, so good. I I think if you want a dystopian... <laughs> Probably everybody on this earth has read The Handmaid's Tale. No, they now. actually haven't, though, because I actually asked quite a few people. No, the other day. this really upsets me. Okay, if you've not read The Handmaid's Tale, go and read it. If you want a dystopian, like that is just a phenomenal book. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Really, really phenomenal and dark and unnerving and yeah, just really quite disturbing, but also really like powerful mm. and just makes you. Um, want to do more and want to you know it makes you angry and um my friend uh, emma hines who is a playwright um she often speaks about her writing process to me and um there's a play that she's been writing recently and she's been talking about wanting the audience to come away wanting to change something Mm -hmm. and if you're always given a good ending then the reader or the audience feels settled afterwards and you don't always want that. You want them to go out and change the world and make it better. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I think you really get that sense in The Handmaid's Tale. Um, Also Vox, which I mentioned earlier. Um, Not my favourite dystopian, but um, I did find it a really interesting read. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, And I think you suggested also The Power. Yeah, The Power by Naomi Alderman is just it's it's a right rollicking dystopian right novel rollicking. it really is honestly it's it and yeah in the same vein of like as well of of kind of kids it's a, it's a YA novel um of kind of kids having to pick up the mantle that's dropped yeah by the by their previous generations and mm-hmm. having to kind of be like okay we've got to sort this out that's a great novel for that and I'd also say if you love a classic like 1984 oh yeah it's just occurred to me. Yeah. But 1984 by George yeah. Orwell is a fantastic place I did love to that book. start. If you love a bit of dystopia, go back to that. Because that is... I read that in the first lockdown. It. Can you imagine? Oh, my Lord. Where was your head at, woman? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, yeah, so something like 1984, that's very that felt very like the third book in Paradise. Yeah. With its kind of like Big Brother-esque, mm. we are watching you situation. So, <laughs> your rating, I'm going to throw this at you because we've definitely not prepped this. Oh, jeez Louise. Your rating of to Paradise, what are we talking? We are talking, and now I have to put this into context. What am I like with me five stars? Shady. I just don't give them out. Shady I mean, AF. Unless I'm quoted on the cover, you're not getting a five star review from <laughs> me. Um, however... This, I mean, this is an absolute fantastic novel. Mm-hmm. Um, I loved, absolutely loved the first section. Second section, meh. Third section, loved it. Yeah. For me, are we are we allowed increments of 0.25? Yes. Fantastic. 
Um, <laughs> see you, Lydia. I wouldn't allow anyone else this privilege. Um, I think I would. I think I would give this a four point two five. Wow, I would. I wasn't expecting that. That's high for you. Uh, yeah, it, it is, is quite high. high for me. Yeah. I'm quite proud of myself. I'm gonna give it a straight up five stars. Knew it. Yeah. <laughs> Who am I kidding? Who am I kidding? Um, really, really intrigued to see what she writes next. Yeah. On to the section that I am incredibly excited for. Yes. We should have a theme tune for this section. Oh. Here we have Boyf Picks. Now, Lydia thinks this name's cringy. I think but, it's cringy and cheesy. But I love it. Um, so the basis of this <laughs> choice, now we may get other people to, to come along and pick for us in future podcasts, but the basis of this is that Lydia's partner constantly buys her books he's an enabler he loves it he loves it. he tells her off for having books but he buys them <laughs> out all the time so we thought why not give him a little segment on this episode why not <laughs> so what am i allowed to say his name yeah don't panic <laughs> so <laughs> we have asked Stephen to um pick a book and Give us his reasons on why he's picked the book. And we are going to rate his choice. We have no prior knowledge, no knowledge. of this novel. No. I have it in a bag beside my leg. She's not seen it. We've no idea I've what it is. I've not seen it. Hannah's not seen it. We have no idea. I know that he got it from a Waterstones. That's all we know. But that is all I know. And he also apparently recruited a Waterstones bookseller as a listener. Yeah, so actually did. If you are listening, you are Waterstones listening. bookseller from Crew. Hello. Um, hi. Thank you for listening. <laughs> um, the guy that was flirting with you is my partner. <laughs> you may have him. <laughs> Lydia, would you like to give us a reveal of the book? Okay. I'm, I'm super excited. excited. <laughs> I'm super excited. So this is a fun thing to do for radio where you can't see it. <laughs> I am excited. Okay. You ready? Take one off the top. Ready? Ooh. Okay. So in front of oh, me. Oh, I am intrigued. I am seeing it's a Sunday Times bestseller. It is called The Book of Trespass, Crossing the Lines That Divide Us. It's by Nick Hayes and it's published by Bloomsbury. Interesting. I have never heard of this. Never. In my life. If you guys have heard of it, please let me know. I am so intrigued why he's picked this. So I am going to read the blurb quickly and then we'll hear what Stephen has to say about it. Yeah. So the blurb is, the vast majority of our country is entirely unknown to us because we are banned from setting foot on it. By law of trespass. We are excluded from 92% of the land and 97% of its waterways. In the book of trespass, Nick Hayes embarks on a journey over the walls that divide us, revealing a long story of enclosure, exploitation and dispossession of public rights whose effects last to this day. Interesting. Very interesting. Let's hear what Stephen has to say about it. Okay, ladies. So, um... Have a look at the book that I've chosen you in three, oh. two, one. Ta-da! It's the Book of Trespass by Nick Hayes. Now, I know what your faces are probably pulling, and if I could see them, I could probably guess what your faces do look like. However, um, I really like the front cover. thought it looked really nice. thought it was an interesting, interesting concept. Um, I know it is non-fiction, which isn't normally what you guys go for, but... Um, I'm hoping it is interesting. Um, uh, the books I will be choosing going forward um, will vary. So one week, one 
week, sorry, one month could be a classic, the next month could be something that everyone's raving about and talking about, um, and then it might be one like this where it's something that you two probably wouldn't pick up and read. Um, hopefully it will definitely give you an opinion, either that that you don't like it or it might just shock you and you might like it. Um, anyway, enjoy reading. Oh, well, Stephen. Stephen. <laughs> so, wow. Lydia, what are you thinking? I'm thinking I would have never picked this up. Yeah, me too. Every in a million years. Never. A book about trespass? Uh, my initial thoughts are, who cares? <laughs> um, <laughs> unless you're on my property. I'm not really bothered. No. But... I'm not one to judge. No. Without giving it a read. Also, I'm flicking through and I've seen some beautiful illustrations. Oh, love that. Absolutely gorgeous illustrations. It would never have been a book I would have picked myself. No. Ever. Um, And I think that's the beauty of when someone else picks a book for you sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, Particularly non-bookish people. Yeah. So Stephen is not a particularly bookish person. Yeah. He doesn't really read a lot. And um, so I always find it interesting what people choose mm. because we obviously would go for the popular, yeah, yeah, sort of uh, female authored. I would say so, yeah, literary fiction genre. Well, I'm so intrigued by that. I am so intrigued, and I love that he said that the cover was one of the reasons why he picked it up. Yeah, because I am so easily drawn in by a good cover yeah yeah so i can totally get yeah i can totally get that yeah. and i was really intrigued by this um it's quite similar to leave the world behind cover yes yeah it's got a large deer on the front yeah so i did look at this and think it was going to be a dystopian and then mm. realized when he said it's a non-fiction i was yeah. like oh okay and we will let you know what we think of it we will we will report back um and also, I love his assumption that he's going to be picking books from here on out. I know. What if you want other people to pick, Stephen? Apparently, it's no longer the boyfriend. <laughs> no, picks, listen. If Stephen picks. <laughs> if Stephen wants to pick forever, that's that'd be fine. it. Um, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna read the first paragraph. Okay. So we get feel. Okay. Okay. I'm ready. So the chapter is called Badger. Yeah. Uh, it says fires, tracks, lines, and legislation. It's got a quote from Mr. Badger from The Wind in the Willows. Any friend of mine walks where he likes in this country, or I want to know the reason why. Mm. Mr. Badger, loving the non-trespassing. Um, so, first paragraph. On the morning of St. George's Day, 1932, a teenager called George B.T. Elliot took the train from his home in Preston. With his climbing ropes and enough supplies for a couple of days camping and roaming, he travelled the 60 miles to the brim of the Peak District and set off on foot. Oh. Mm. I'm intrigued, actually. Uh, and just so you know, and we're all aware, not a footnote in sight. Gorgeous. <laughs> we love to see it. Listen, don't I ever see a footnote again as long as I live? No. Nope. Well, we've got to finish we've got people, to finish people trees, trees, yeah. <sighs> and there's that. Okay, so what are we rating Stephen's pick? Well, I are we rating it out of five? Quite, you know, not prepped. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I would say my rating would be a 3.5. Oh. And your reasoning? My reasoning is that I'm not particularly bothered about the theme of trespass. Fair. I'm not really bothered at all. Yeah. But that 
the content looks pretty cool. Mm-hmm. I'm loving the illustrations. And um, I am always up for a bit of non-thick. Mm. What's your rating? I am going to give him a... Don't be overly generous. A three. Oh, Yeah, a three. Oh, I feel like um, I was overly generous. No, I'm going to give him a three. Um, Definitely not my usual genre. No. Um, appreciate the cover. Love a good mm-hmm. cover. So mm-hmm. for that, you know, it gets a good mark. Mm-hmm. Um, I am really intrigued. I'm I'm not going to lie. I'm a little disappointed that it's nonfiction. But mm-hmm. I think it's, that's my initial disappointment. So I'm sorry, Stephen. <laughs> I love you so much. Really but I am, I am slightly disappointed because mm-hmm. I don't know why I was expecting a fiction. Me but, too. And sometimes I see non-fictions on my shelf and I'm like, oh, I've got to pick that up. Yeah. But then I might pick it up and really, really enjoy it. Yeah. So it's just my initial war with all non-fiction that is really <laughs> difficult. Every yeah. Every non-fiction. Ever I'm like, oh, I can't be bothered to read it. I don't know why. Um, yeah, I feel you. But I'm really intrigued by the subtitle, you know, mm-hmm. crossing the lines that divide us. Mm-hmm. I'm really hoping that there'll be um an exploration of like race and class yeah. or whether it's lit right whether it's more literal than that and it's literally yeah. about like i don't know like don't step over country. my head <laughs> like, <laughs> because if it's that i'll be disappointed yeah but if it means in a more metaphorical sense i think as well with you looking at current events in terms of um like ukraine and the devastating yeah. war that's happening there yeah um and about how that is a fight over land mm-hmm. i think it's actually quite quite pertinent to read a book that yeah. is based on on land and who owns what and why do you own it yeah and stuff like that but yeah it's either gonna be super super dry like yeah. the sahara and not fun <laughs> or it's actually gonna be really interesting i uh, hear we've got some questions we do from some lovely people so each month when we record an episode we're gonna put out a um q a on our instagram which is at a pair of bookends pod and you can submit your questions for the episode um lydia would you like to give us the questions i would love to okay so um at humphreeds hi gabby we love you we love you (laughs) um she has asked us we're both drama related which we are we are um so tell me who would play you in a film Florence Pugh. Oh, I adore yes. Florence Pugh. Now, this is going to sound so big-headed because I don't in any way look like Florence Pugh. She does. Apart from we have quite similar cheeks. Um, like I think she's just an incredible actor. And if I was going to trust anyone with my life story, then it would be her. I love it. What about you? I would choose. Only because throughout my entire life I've been mistaken for her, I would choose Billy Piper. Yes! <laughs> oh my gosh yes my entire life wow um i once funny story i once was trying to get changed in a changing room at the trafford center when a woman and her daughter accosted me at the height of billy piper's fame in doctor who and um got me to sign stuff and post the photos um and i was too polite to say i wasn't her no. Um, well, I kind of tried to protest and I was like, oh no, the camera's out and oh, it's happening. Um, so somewhere out there, if you're listening, I'm sorry, you've got a picture of me. It's not Billy Piper. <laughs> you're so obsessed <laughs> with that story. Um, but yeah, 100%. 
um my whole life been told that i look like her so uh, i would choose billy piper also she's absolute cracking actor she is. I've Have actually seen... got her box set of Secret Diary of a Cold Girl. Beautiful. I was obsessed with that one. Have I you younger. seen um, Rare Beasts? The no, I've not watched debut. it yet. Bloody brilliant. Need to watch. Need to watch. Um, yes. Yeah, so, and also, Humph Reeves has also asked us to reveal an unusual fact that uh, those on Instagram or those listening to the podcast would not know. I don't know if mine's interesting now. Um, but it's not. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I was going to say, I, work, I worked in hospitality for many years and I used to be a manager at the UK restaurant chain, Frankie and Benny's. That is interesting. It's not. It's really not. I know, I'm lying. It's not great. <laughs> it's yours. <laughs> All right. Um, I am an aviation enthusiast. You are. Yeah. If any book has a plane on the cover, it's going in Lydia's basket. I will just buy it without even reading the blurb uh, yeah i spend many a day at manchester airport viewing park love that watching the planes love it. they've got a massive concord in the back of it it's amazing so planes and books together stunning that's my life you know what you love what you love hon thank you <laughs> have we got any more questions we do so um at books to discuss thank you for your uh question they have asked us our least favourite book trope of all time. Now, I'm terrible with naming book tropes. But one thing I did discuss with Lydia earlier is how much I despise cringy, romantic dialogue. <sighs> <laughs> I just, I can't get on board with it. And no. I really struggle with some romance novels. My most recent romance read was actually one of the best romance novels I've ever read. Ooh. And it was Seven Days in June by Tia Williams. And honestly, that is just a flawless romance novel. It's just a romance novel done well. But some of them are just so cringy. It pains me. And I know there's going to be so many Colleen Hoover fans coming for us. <laughs> but I just, no, I read It Ends With Us recently. Oh, and I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. But there were moments that made me want to pull my own eyeballs out. Yeah. So that's me. What about you? What about you, Lud? Mine is, uh, (laughs) it's a bit of a weird one, but is uh, the European jaunt. So this usually happens um, when the protagonist has come a cropper in their lives and has nowhere to go and nothing to do and feels out of sorts. And they somehow find a load of money in a villa in Italy or France and they go there and they go there for about two weeks to four months and they spend the summer there and they eat pasta and drink white wine and um, basically have a fantastic time because we all have the money to because we all do that Um, and then come back and then deal with their lives and um, <laughs> it just, oh, it, the minute someone starts hopping on a plane in a book, I'm like, why are you going? Why are you Come going? Back. The only person that got away with it was um, Sally Rooney in Normal People. And even then I was a bit like, why have you gone? Why? Like, why do, why? It's, and it's always, you know, middle class privileged white people that end up going. Always. But tell me what kind of plane you flew on. A380? <laughs> Bowie? Come on. Um. In our final section today, um, we are going to be talking about some cultural recommendations that we have for you. 
as my beloved Hilo podcast, New York Squeeze it in there somewhere, <laughs> uh, used to do when I adored. So Lydia, what have mm. you been enjoying recently? What have I been enjoying recently? Oh, let me tell you, this is going to hurt. Amazing. The adaptation of Adam Kay's absolutely fantastic journal entry novel, which uh, basically he was a NHS doctor um was it 2006 he worked like around that e- that era i think it's that been, yeah um and uh he wrote journal entries as a doctor um and basically it's just hysterical mm. whilst also being completely traumatic yeah. and a great insight into the life of a doctor yeah and the, insight, the stress yeah. of the nhs yeah and the pressure that the nhs is under yeah how and how hard they all work it's just insane i mean like leaving your shift and then uh getting in your car and falling asleep in your car and waking up and going back to your next shift yeah i mean that mm. happens and he's he's such a good actor i think he's is it ben wishaw ben wishaw yeah i really like him as adam k yeah i think he's got a really like dry humor and yes. it's just it's he's just so good at all like the the subtleties and yeah um you know he can like make you like cackle in one yeah. scene and then you feel like you've been punched in the gut in the next scene yeah. he's just so he's brilliant i think he's really brilliant yeah it's, great actor for he's it he's a fantastic actor in it and he just gets kind of that restrained kind of i'm fine persona perfect mm-hmm. by you um i can see you're bursting with excitement <laughs> <laughs> um i really enjoyed the netflix adaptation Adaptation Central in Air. We should change the name of the podcast. No, we're not. Um, <laughs> Talk us long enough. <laughs> um, the Lost Daughter by Eleanor Ferrante. Is that with Olivia Colman in? It is. I've not watched it. It is. It is amazing. Now, this is a book that kind of reads like a thriller. Mm. Um, there's just kind of this undercurrent throughout that's just really unsettling and you're kind of waiting for something really explosive to happen and it doesn't kind of come and... Um, I really enjoyed the the film. Mm-hmm. Um, Jessie Buckley. Oh, yes. Now, Jessie Buckley's gone up for an award for this and she has to win it. She has to. Her performance was literally exquisite, like mm. amazing. Mm. Um, and I really think her career is going to take... I mean, she's done really well so far, but I really think like this will Next catapult level. her career. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Um, because she was just amazing in it. And it's kind of one of them where very little happens yeah it's it's kind of more about um the exploration of themes and characters and it's you know it's a real kind of insight into motherhood and Mm -hmm. the pressure that's placed on women um on how a mother should be you know what's expected of us and how that kind of it changes our identity Mm -hmm. and um we have kind of a loss of identity when we become a mother and um it was just such an interesting kind of take on motherhood mm-hmm. which you don't see very often yeah we're kind of expected to be like these sweet maternal caring characters <laughs> and that's not always the way you no. know it's not always the way it happens and you know that's n- through no fault of of your own um you know you might just really struggle with motherhood yeah. and it may be a lot of people do yeah and it just may be very difficult and i just found it so powerful and moving and but yeah my recommendation for today is the lost daughter which is on netflix at the moment and i would also recommend the novel as well as i read them kind of back to back so that is all we've got time for today 
thank you for joining us. If you enjoyed the podcast, please do rate, review and subscribe as this allows other bookends to find us. Um, if you wish to recommend our next book pick, please DM us at a pair of bookends pod on Instagram or email us on a pair of bookends pod at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.